Hey friends, I'm Christine Chapel, and you're listening to the Hope and Help podcast from IBCD, where we host biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. In this episode, I chat with author Christina Fox about her book, A Holy Fear, Trading Lesser Fears for the Fear of the Lord. For more help on the topics we discussed today, visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help where you can access notes from today's episode and browse related resources from our digital library. Before we get started, let me introduce you to my guest. Christina Fox is a counselor, retreat speaker, and author of several books. She loves helping women see how the gospel intersects with their daily life. Christina serves on the PCA's National Women's Ministry Team and is the editor of their ministry blog. Hey there, Christina. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Before we get started in this conversation, would you spend a few minutes sharing about why you wanted to write this book? Yeah, well, the fear of the Lord is something that I've always wanted to dig into and study for myself. Um, I grew up in the church, so it was a phrase I'd always heard. Um, As a child, I thought it meant to be in terror of God. Um, And then as an adult, you know, as I got older, I learned that it meant reverence, but it was really when I kind of faced some of my own fears that in my life, I learned the the Bible's teaching on the fear of the Lord, had a relationship with my other fears, uh, that the Bible calls to us to turn to God in the midst of our fears and to see him as greater. And really over the past year, I know we've all faced many fears um, surrounding this pandemic. And so Really now more than ever, we need to understand what the Bible has to say about the fear of the Lord. Yeah, I really appreciated just the tone that you have in this book. It was just so helpfully written and really clear, easy to understand, easy to follow. And you made a really great case just for how the fear of the Lord really puts other, you use the term lesser fears, kind of in perspective. And so I guess before we dive into that, can you shed some light on the different words that the Bible uses to talk about fear and even the nuances we see in the original languages for their meaning? Yes, definitely. Um, the, the meanings of words are important. And then in the Bible, context of, of words is important as well for understanding The Bible uses the word fear in a couple different ways. Um, In the Old Testament, the most common Hebrew word for fear is yaira, and it means terror. An example of that would be uh, when Jonah was, um, you know, on the boat caught in a deadly storm and and everyone was terrified. They all thought they were going to die. But then this same word is also used to mean reverence, uh, specifically in the context of the fear of the Lord. For example, the verse that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then in the New Testament, the Greek word for fear is phobos. Uh, It means panic, flight, terror. It's where we get our English word phobia. We see this word used uh, when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water and they cried out in fear. But it's also used to mean awe and reverence. So when it comes to the word fear, the context of the word clearly makes a difference. But also, I mentioned in the book worry and anxiety because those words are such close cousins to fear. 
And so it's interesting to look at the Greek word for anxiety, which is merimnau, and it's used in uh, Matthew 6 when Jesus tells us not to worry or be anxious about tomorrow. Also, when Paul cautions us in Philippians not to be anxious about anything, this word means uh, to be anxious, to care for, and its Greek root word means to be divided, to be pulled apart. And I think this is a, a an appropriate image because that's what happens when we're consumed with worry about something. Our minds are distracted, our thoughts kind of pull at and divide us. You highlight in the book three particular kinds of common fear experiences that the Bible talks about. Can you share what those are? Yes. Well, we can certainly fear many things, but I, so I focused on a few of the fears that we see mentioned in the scriptures. The first is the fear of man. I think that's something that we um, can all relate to. It can mean fearing harm at the hand of someone else. Uh, and there's certainly many uh, accounts in scripture of God's people fearing uh, like other nations that were bigger or stronger than them. The fear of man can also refer to the fear of what people think of us. We might fear what they say about us to others. We might fear the rejection. And when we fear man, we want the, the approval or praise of others. And sometimes we even like conform and change our behavior in order to get it. Uh, we see this with Peter when he refused to eat with the Gentiles because he feared what the Judaizers thought of him. Uh, and then what often happens is that this fear of man becomes an idol that we worship. We seek the affirmation and acceptance of others, looking to it to give our lives value and meaning. But, you know, when we look to broken and fallen people to meet our needs, this idol eventually fails us and lets us down. And so it's no wonder that um, the book of Proverbs says the fear of man brings a snare. And then uh, the next uh, fear that I mentioned is the fear of harm. And because we live in a fallen world where bad things happen, you know, the fear of harm is, is a appropriate fear. And then, for example, we see this fear when the disciples were um, on the Sea of Galilee with Jesus and that great storm arose and they, they were terrified. They thought for sure they would die and then they went and woke him up. So whether we fear a natural disaster, uh, sickness, um, or violence of some kind, whenever the Bible talks about the fear of harm, it then points us to who God is and what he has done. And it reminds us to turn and look to him for help and rescue. Then the other fear that we often see in the Bible is fear of the future. And if I had to choose a favorite fear, that's would be it for me. This is like my pet uh, fear, the one that I tend to feed and nourish. But in, in some sense, all our fears are fears of the future. Fear likes to time travel, kind of looking ahead, all the possible harms that could be out there. Future fear is worried about whether there's going to be enough in the future. Enough money, enough food, enough time, enough wisdom. So we, you know, we fear future losses and failures. We fear not being prepared or knowing what to do. We fear the unknown. In that uh, passage in Matthew 6, you know, Jesus tells us not to worry about not having enough because our Heavenly Father provides for all of our needs. 
I want to have a segue into the term lesser fears that I mentioned earlier just a few minutes ago because you use the term a lot and I think it is really helpful. When you talk about trading lesser fears for fear of the Lord, what does that actually look like? So I use the term lesser fears to contrast with the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is about seeing God as greater than anything else. And because he is greater, the other things we fear are lesser. Uh, I think, you know, if you've been studying your Bible for any length of time, you know, you see these two common commands in scripture. We see do not fear and fear the Lord. And the Bible teaches us that when we face fearful circumstances, we are to turn from those fears to the fear of the Lord. A good example of this is in Matthew 10, when Jesus sent the disciples out on their own for the first time to preach about the kingdom of God. And in this uh, passage, he warns them that people are going to want to harm them, possibly even kill them. And he tells them not to fear what man could do to them, but to instead fear the Lord. He then tells them that God watches over the sparrow. Not a single one falls to the ground apart from God's will. He tells them that all their hairs on their head are numbered and that they're more important than the sparrows. So in the face of fearful circumstances, Jesus wanted the disciples to turn to God and see him as greater, to remember his providential care for them. So I use that phrase, trading lesser fears, to mean turning from those fears to a greater fear, the fear of the Lord. Christina, I've noticed in counseling with women, and even in my own my own struggles with uh, being tempted to fear and anxiety when life is difficult, that the Proverbs 1-7, when it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, it's really just a reminder that has been helpful to me and the women I've spoken to uh, when fear is an issue to, to boil it back down to if, if I need wisdom for how to even address these fears, this anxiety, this worry that I'm going through. Like, I need to start at the fundamental level of, okay, if I need wisdom, then fear of the Lord is the is the stepping stone, right? The stepping stone that I need to boil things back to, or like you say, trade my lesser fears for that fear of the Lord, and then work from that position of, okay, is my heart fearing God in this moment more than whatever it is I'm afraid of? So it is almost like we look at our problems through this lens of fear of the Lord instead of the other way around. Yeah, I think of the fear of the Lord as uh, the posture of our heart in the face of fearful circumstances. You know, those fearful circumstances that we're in aren't going anywhere. They're, they're still happening. We're still in a pandemic or we're still dealing with financial issues or, you know, our kids are still struggling in something in some area. And so, you know, throughout the book, my, my goal and desire is to point um, people to the Lord so that their heart is yielded to him and they see him as greater and they respond to him with the fear of the Lord, which I kind of unpack what that means because there's kind of various nuances to that phrase fear of the Lord. But the more that we are in God's presence and, and see him for who he truly is and see what he has done for us, you know, our hearts can be at rest in the midst of uh, these fearful situations. I really appreciated the quote that you you wrote in the book. It says, the Bible doesn't teach that we are not to have any cares or worries at all. 
It's when those cares become excessive to the point that we don't trust God for tomorrow's needs that our worries and fears become sinful. What What would you say just to expand on that quote? Well, I um, appreciate it. I mean, I read a lot of Puritan literature in preparation for this uh, book, and John Flavel wrote about fear. Um, and one of the things that he differentiated was natural fear and sinful fear. And we, you know, we see both of those in the Bible. You know, natural fear is really just, you know, we live in a fallen world where fearful things happen. I mean, it's just the result of the fall, such as, you know, a contagious virus or a natural disaster or, you know, any of those kinds of things that, that happen. And so it is normal and right to be fearful. You know, when you're in a building and the fire alarm goes off and you kind of start to feel kind of anxious about that, that's a, a good thing because it gets you to exit the building safely. It gets you to move and, and do something about it. So those natural fears are proper and appropriate. I mean, the Bible even shows that Jesus felt natural fear as he anticipated the cross. You know, he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was sweating drops of blood. So there's natural fear, there's sinful fear as well that we see in scripture. And that's that's really where we where we're turning away from God and we are trusting in ourselves in in the midst of uh, our fearful circumstances where we're not leaning on him and depending on him and just, you know, forgetting who he is and what he's done for us. And we see those examples. But then I, I think that there are times where both natural and sinful fears get all kind of entangled uh, in the situation. I think of it like my earbuds that I put into my bag. You know, I put them in like nice and neat so they do not get <laughs> twisted up. But every time I pull them back out, they're just this tangled mess and I have to undo them. And sometimes it's really hard in a situation to unwind and figure out, okay, which part of what I'm feeling right now is sinful, which part is is natural, you know. Sometimes we just can't figure that out. And I just, in those situations for myself, I just pray and say, Lord, I don't, I don't know if I'm right now, right now, if I'm feeling is, is sinful or not. I just, you know, I, I just need your wisdom in this. I need you to help me. I need you to give me eyes to see, uh, you know, forgive me what's for what's sinful and, and help me to get through this. And so sometimes I think we can get so bogged down in trying to put, put things in categories you know, that, that we're not moving forward. And so ultimately, we just need to keep our eyes fixed on Christ. Yeah, that's a really great point that you made just there, because wh whichever fear it ends up being, whatever category um, we might try to put it into, ultimately, it's how do we respond? You know, what are we doing with this fear that we are feeling? And are we taking it to the Lord? And like you said, asking him for help and for wisdom and for direction and then and then choosing to wait, you know, because not everything is okay, you know, Lord, help me. But then also, I want to see how you're helping me today, too. <laughs> you know, it's like, we need to wait on him and, and the Lord can even work through our fears to condition that kind of a posture that you're talking about where we we humble ourselves we look to him but then we also wait on him and wait for that wisdom and that help to come so thank you for for pointing that out can you explain what the bible means when it speaks of fear of the lord you mentioned earlier in the show about how you know when you were younger you kind of thought of was this like you know this wrath and this fire and brimstone and, you know, really scary type of fear. But um, can you explain how the Bible gives us a picture of fear of the Lord? Yeah. So theologians have, um, kind of divide, divide up 
the the phrase fear of the Lord into two types. Uh, one is um, servile fear, um, and that's the kind of fear that those who um, are outside of of Christ, who are unregenerate, would have for God. It's the kind of fear like a um, a prisoner might have for their jailer, where they only do what they're supposed to do, you know, just out of fear of you know getting into trouble of some kind. It's not. Um, it's, it's true terror of God. But the other kind of fear is that called filial fear, which comes from the Latin um, meaning son. A filial fear is the kind of fear a child would have for their father. Children who know they are loved by the father obey him because they don't want to disappoint him. They don't want to let him down. It's a respectful fear, a fear that honors. It's not a a fear of terror, but a fear born out of love. And so as adopted children by our Father in heaven, this is the kind of fear we have for the Lord. God is our Father, and like our earthly Father, he loves us, provides for us, protects us, disciplines us, teaches us. And so we have a filial fear for him. That's why we have this uh, definition of the fear of the Lord as reverence, um, and it does mean that. But when we look at the fear of the Lord throughout scripture, we find that there's even more to it than that. Uh, a filial fear of the Lord includes awe and wonder, love and adoration, reverence and worship, trust and obedience. And so I appreciate uh, Sinclair Ferguson's definition of the filial fear of the Lord. He says it's an indefinable mixture of reverence and pleasure, joy and awe, which fills our hearts when we realize who God is and what he has done for us it is a love for God, which is so great that we would be ashamed to do anything that would displease him or grieve him and makes us happiest when we are doing what pleases him. As you were talking, I was just thinking about different people in history who have actually come face to face with with the presence of the Lord. And it made me think of when John comes in Revelation one seventeen, and he's talking about how he was taken up to heaven and that he saw this God figure, which we know is Christ. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys to death and Hades. And so just that even looking at instances where where God's people actually come into his presence and they have that kind of knee jerk fear, right? Just that that awe and that also a terror like you were talking about is I am in the presence of something that is utterly powerful and that can totally destroy me. I'm unholy and yet how gracious and merciful our father is. He reaches out and touches us and says, fear not. And so I just love just thinking about that picture of him um, because I think it does make the distinction between, you know, the fear of the Lord as if we're dealing with some kind of a dictator or a tyrant who wants to rule by fear and, you know, threatening us harm um, versus, you know, the loving father who, who reaches out and touches us and tells us it's, you know, don't fear, I'm here with you and going to help you and I love you. Um, so thank you for taking time to explain those two differences. How does reflecting on the nature of God and who he is and what he has done through Jesus Christ uh, help us to grow in our fear of the Lord? Yeah, well, the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is something that we can learn and grow in. 
And one of the ways we do that is by beholding God, by coming into his presence and seeing him in all his wonder and glory. And we don't um, often have these experiences like you read in Revelation, but where we do have this experience is by reading what God's word tells us about him and about who he is. Uh, when we study his character, uh, his works and his ways, as we dwell on his holiness and goodness, on his mercy and grace, on his faithfulness and steadfast love for us in Christ, we can't help but respond in holy fear. The more that we dwell on who God is and what he has done, we see him for who he is. We see him as greater. You've also mentioned that part of our growing in fear of the Lord requires a kind of putting on of our new life in Christ and putting off of our old life. Can you explain what that means and how it's helpful in putting our lesser fears in their place? Yeah, you know, Paul wrote about this, um, that putting off, putting on uh, thing in Ephesians and Colossians. Um, because of who we are in Christ, we are to put off our sinful way of life and put on Christ's righteousness, kind of like taking off a coat, putting on a different one. Um, and he, he calls us, you know, to take off those things from our former way of life um, and to put on this new life that we have. And so I talk about some things that we would need to take off to grow in our fear of the Lord. Uh, one of those is idolatry. Because we worship what we fear, our lesser fears often have control of our heart. And we cling to what we love most. It becomes our identity, giving us meaning and purpose. And so if we have idols in our heart, there's no room for a fear of the Lord. So it's important that we evaluate our hearts for these lesser loves that compete with the love for the Lord, remove them and replace them with greater love for God. Another thing that I talk about putting off is uh, self-righteousness. Because at the heart of godly fear is humility. A God-fearer knows that she is dependent on God for all things. She knows her wayward heart and the depths of her depravity. She understands the gospel of grace and that she comes to God empty-handed. So she doesn't trust in her own works or her own knowledge or anything inherent within her. Instead, she rests in the finished work of Christ for her salvation. So those are just some of the examples of things that I talk about putting off in order to grow in our fear of the Lord. And Christina, what do you think the importance is of community and even inviting a mentor or someone, a, a mature Christian that you trust into this process to help you to work through your, your fears and trading those lesser fears for fear of the Lord? Oh, that is an excellent point. Yeah. Well, we, we don't walk this journey of faith alone. And, you know, when uh, Christ died for for us, he created the church. Uh, we are one body. And so we need each other. And I think that having a mentor, as you said, or a, a trusted friend to walk alongside us as we um, seek to grow in our fear of the Lord, as we seek to put off things that hinder that um, is, is really essential um, because we can't we don't often we're just not able to always see what's going on inside of us. And someone out from the outside can kind of recognize things that we might miss. Um, they can shine a light on things for us. Um, they can encourage us, you know, to stay in the word and, uh, and they can be in prayer for us because that's the greatest thing that we need is, is prayer um, as we journey through this. 
So if someone listening is really resonating with what we're talking about, they know that there are fears in their life that uh, they they really want to learn how to filter those things through the lens of faith and, and learn how to entrust and just let go, have an open hand on some of those, those places in their heart that there's fear there because like you said, maybe there is idolatrous desires or, or um, something of that nature, and they want to even work with a mentor, perhaps to to work through those issues. What would you suggest um, that someone could take as practical next steps for cultivating a kind of holy fear in their life? Well, God has provided, you know, means of grace for us to grow in our fear of him. Um, You know, this includes reading and studying God's word, uh, and I, I do kind of provide some practical ideas for things to focus our hearts on, uh, such as studying God's names throughout the Bible, including the names of Jesus, uh, studying God's character and attributes, studying just the doctrine of God, really about who he is. I think it's also helpful to meditate on passages that remind us of how great and awesome our God is such as um, Psalm 139 or Isaiah 6. We talk a lot about, you know, just preaching the gospel to ourselves and meditating on it each day, just really focusing on what Christ has done for us. Another thing I mentioned is keeping track of our prayers and God's answers to those prayers, uh, because that just helps remind us of what he's done for us in the past and just um, encourages us to face the future with with confidence in what he's going to do. And then I, I do talk about the Psalms and studying the Psalms as well, because we, we see great examples in there of godly people facing fear and, you know, how they bring it to the Lord and, and trust him in, in the midst of it. I think most of us are familiar with how frequently the scriptures encourage us to not fear. The command, do not fear or fear not, is in there, I think, hundreds of times. I've not personally counted. Okay. I've read, uh, you know, like if you Google that, you'll yeah. see some people say like 365. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know, but yeah. it is a lot. <laughs> it is a lot, right? It is a lot. And so I I just want to close out our conversation. You know, there are a lot of times in the scriptures that we are instructed to not fear or to fear not. But I think even more than that are the promises that God gives to those who do fear him. And so I want to close out our conversation uh, with just some reminders of those promises. Can you maybe recap, share some of your favorites of the promises that God offers to those who fear him? There are so many, and I wish I could have covered um, all of them in in the book, but I I, I focused on a few. One is um, that God promises deliverance uh, to those who fear him. We certainly see that in uh, what he did for us at the cross. Um, and, and Paul reminds us in Romans that if, you know, if God sent his son to die for your sins, how much more is he going to meet you in these other struggles that you have? God also promises satisfaction or contentment to those who fear him. He promises friendship, which I I think is also an amazing uh, promise to consider. He promises to take pleasure in and delight in us. Um, So he delights in those who fear him. He also promises to be our teacher. So he teaches us. uh, He shares his wisdom with us. He directs our path. 
And then he also promises us good. Yeah, the, the promises are many. And I think just even focusing on those is, um, is fruitful and encouraging. And you do offer scripture references in the book for a lot of the promises even you just mentioned right now. So I do want to encourage the listener, if you are interested, to get a copy of Christina's book, Holy, A Holy Fear, Trading Lesser Fears for Fear of the Lord. You can scroll down to the show notes, click the link there, and that will take you to a page on IBCD's website where you can access a link to purchase the book and also check out other books that Christina has authored as well. Christina, I'm really thankful for you taking the time to go through uh, this this topic for us. I think it's a very relevant topic, even if we didn't have global pandemic and political uproar and or upheaval and just all the you know, the really distressing news that tends to be looping in the cycle as of late. Um, But I do want to invite you to do something that I ask every guest of the Hope and Help podcast to do, which is to speak directly to the audience. Now, there may be someone listening to this podcast who feels overwhelmed by a fear-filled life. What would you say to this person to encourage them to pray for the Spirit's help in trading their lesser fears for fear of the Lord? Well, I would say that you're not alone in feeling fear. Uh, We all experience fear from living in this sin-stained world. I would urge you to just open the book of Psalms. There you see the godly facing fears of life. But we also see in the Psalms a model for what to do when we feel those fears. We see the psalmist bring his fears to the throne of grace. We see him cry out to God and tell him about his fears. We see him ask God for help and rescue. We see the psalmist reminding himself of God's character and his ways, of his goodness and his love. And so we see this example of a God-fearer worshiping God in the midst of his fears. I would um, suggest to you to read Psalm 27 or Psalm 57 and perhaps model your own prayers after the psalmist. Pray and ask the Spirit to help you to see God as greater than the fears that you're currently experiencing. Pray that he would develop in you a holy fear, a fear that is born out of love for your father and, and the love that he has for you. And ask to ask him to give you a fear that would help you to respond to him in awe and wonder, worship and reverence, love and adoration, trust and obedience. Really great reminders, Christina. Thank you so much for sharing those with us today. I want to give you a chance to connect with the listener. If there's someone who would like to learn more about your ministry and, you know, you've been on the Hope and Help podcast before with your work on a sufficient hope and just gospel. I think gospel meditations for, yes, for weary, moms, yeah. weary moms, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so that was a really great conversation. And so there's definitely a lot of books that you have available as resources. So uh, where can they go to find you and, and learn more about what you have available? The best place would be my website, which is christinafox.com. And there you can find out about the books I've read and keep up with you know my blog posts and things like that awesome well thank you so much for agreeing to come back on the show and to share about this recent book of yours it was a blessing to read just really encouraging for where i'm at in my walk with christ right now and i hope it's a blessing to the listeners as well thank you i appreciate it 
Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode. If you enjoyed today's conversation, why not subscribe to the podcast? That way you'll be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help podcast a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help podcast.